I got a signal. There's one coming. Or this. Oh, this has improved. I'd like to ask you to stand for about seven verses, but I'm only going to read one. Isaiah is such a powerful author, and he was in trouble sometimes and trying to straighten people out. And so the message comes close and comes searching. Isaiah 1.8. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The Lord of the Lord from Isaiah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Gail. Invitations. Isn't it nice to be invited? We like to be invited, don't we? Come to our house for dinner or come to the game with me. Or maybe something more formal that you get in the mail. An invitation to a wedding or an anniversary celebration or maybe a retirement party or... Or even more prestigious than that would be an invitation to the next royal wedding in England for the royalty there. Or maybe a reception for a recently elected elected congressman. And some of you are already saying, I could pass on most of those. The invitation to dinner is the one that appeals to me. (laughs) But what if you had an illness, a rare condition that was fatal, and no doctor was able to help you. But you receive an invitation from this specialist, one considered to be the very best in his or her field, and they've had a 100% cure rate dealing with this. And they say, come... Is that me? Oh, back there, okay. And they say, come, I will provide the treatment that will heal you, and I will do it for free because I just want to make people well. It's the miracle cure. Would you say, I don't know, let me have time to think about it. Or no, thank you, I think I'll just wait and hope I get better. No, you wouldn't say that. Of course not. This is an invitation you couldn't pass up. This couldn't happen soon enough. It's an invitation that you would accept right now. Well, God extends an invitation to us. He says, come. God initiates. When we won't reach out to Him, He still reaches out to us. That's pretty amazing when you consider that God is reaching out to a people that in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 1 says are guilty, evildoers, corrupt, have forsaken God and turned their backs on Him. In the condition of their hearts and by their actions, they have made themselves enemies of God. And still he says, come. 
Like the doctor with the cure for the disease no one else could successfully treat, we are invited to come and have God do a work in us that can be done by no other. And everyone has an invitation to come to God. You can receive it or reject it. You can respond or ignore it. But you cannot escape it. Even if you do nothing, you are making a choice. You're choosing to miss out on this incredible invitation that God extends to you. English preacher C.H. Spurgeon said this, The cry of the Christian religion is the simple word, come. Jesus was always saying, come unto me and I will give you rest. The Bible is loaded with invitations to all men and whosoever will may come. It is not a matter of how you feel. You may feel helpless and hopeless with a heart that will not respond. My heart, how dreadful heart it is. How heavy here it lies, heavy and cold within my breast, just like a rock of ice. It makes no difference if you will come. Coming is what counts, and all can come. When God says you can come, there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can stop the man who wants to come. Satan will fill the mind with fears and doubts. He will tell you it is hopeless and that you are not worthy. And that's true. But you can come nevertheless. If you come with all your fears and doubts, God will receive you. God never says depart to anyone unless He first says come. All have a chance to come and be forgiven. And only when they don't come will they stand judged. God is never to blame for anyone being lost. He has done everything possible to prevent it. Isn't that true? God says, come. And he says, come now. There's no better time than the present. The invitation is not for a future date. It is for now. Why now? Well, James 4.14 4, tells us that we have no promise of tomorrow. He writes, why do you, why do you not even know what will happen? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And then in Proverbs 27.1, you need to come to God now because life is so uncertain. The writer of the Proverbs says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. And if you look to the writings of Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 2, and this is from the New Living Translation, he writes, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. You know, the human heart is a strange thing. The more often we say no, the easier it comes becomes to say no again and again and again. And that process leads to something that we call hardness of heart. Don't take that chance. 
The time is now. So God says, come. He says, come now. And then he says, let us reason together. God initiates a conversation. Reason, the Hebrew word, it's a primary root word which means to be right or correct. I wonder who's right or correct here. It, it, it can mean to decide, justify, or convict. Think about this. God Almighty, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Creator of all that ex- exists, says to us, let's talk this out. You know, he has every right to command us, not to invite us, to order us. But he is willing to enter into discussion with us so that we might come to the conclusion about what is right and correct. God, the one who has been offended against, is extending his hand to us. What a demonstration of divine compassion that God should be willing to hold, sit down and hold a conference with us. You know, the first person to ask for meeting ought to be the offending party. It should be us. But instead of man seeking God, it is God who comes seeking man. And God knows all about the sins of your life and mine. He knows how far down we have sunk. He knows about our he knows that our hearts are wicked, evil and as the scripture says beyond cure. Yet he loves us in spite of our sinful condition and he calls us to come to him. What great proof this is of God's loving kindness and graciousness that he invites us to come and reason with him. And what is it that God wants to reason with us about? Well, first of all, He wants to reason with us about our lost condition. He wants to share with us just what our lives look like to Him. He wants to reason about coming judgment. He wants to reason about His great love. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He wants to reason about his great salvation. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. How shall we we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard. So great a salvation. I know this isn't popular in the world we live in and not even in a lot of pulpits, but there is no escaping hell unless you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the truth of Scripture. And He wants to reason with you about your acceptance of Christ. He wants you to know just what He is giving you when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive Him... To those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. What a thought that God wants to reason with us. 
Can you imagine defending yourself in that situation? And then he offers to do this incredible thing for us. Scarlet to snow, crimson to wool. A cleansing that is humanly impossible. When I was a kid, uh, I remember my mom doing the laundry in the carport. That was, uh, we lived in Florida. That was before we moved to Idaho where most of our growing up years happened. We had a utility room. You know, you, you drove in the carport and at the end here was a door that opened into what we called the utility room in which there was a ringer washer and wash tubs that were kept for laundry day. And my mom would roll that washer and those tubs out into the carport to do the wash. <laughs> Sound familiar to some of you? I don't know. In the basement, okay. And the, so the washing was done in the ringer washer and was rinsed on those tubs. There were two of them and they were on a stand-like thing that had four legs and wheels so mom could move it around. And as I think was standard procedure, because um, I'm not very involved with the laundry, <laughs> uh, she separated things into piles according, I think, to lights and darks, or maybe she separated by colors. I'm not sure. I, I don't remember. But I do know that one of those piles was white. Um, and when mom did the white load, and I don't remember if this was in, in the wash part or the rinse part, but when she did the white load, she would add something to the water called bluing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. She would add bluing to the water. It was like a miracle. You add this dark blue liquid that makes whites whiter. How does that work? I asked a chemist to research this for me because I thought that surely there was some sort of amazing chemical reaction that must take place to bring about this whiter result. Turns out that bluing doesn't make things whiter at all. It's just a trick of the eye. This is from Wikipedia. White fabrics, and some of this is kind of, I don't understand it. I'm going to share it with you. Maybe you'll get it. White fabrics acquire a slight color cast after use, usually gray or yellow. Since blue and yellow are complementary colors in the subtractive color model of color perception, adding a trace of blue color to the slightly off-white color of these fabrics makes them appear whiter. Or, here's the layman's version. <laughs> Bluing products, bluing Products improve the brightness of white fabrics by adding a blue pigment that counteracts the natural yellowing that occurs during regular laundering. The eye perceives the nearly undetectable amount of blue and sees the fabric as whiter. You've been tricked. <laughs> and bluing is not permanent and rinses out over time, leaving again a dingy or yellow Whites, a commercial bluing product allows the, the consumer to add bluing back into the fabric to restore fake 
whiteness. But in Isaiah 1.18, what God offers to do is no trick of the eye. It is not some impermanent fix. It is truly a miracle. Scarlet and crimson were shades of red drawn from the same source, the crushed body of an insect. Isn't it kind of amazing where we get some of these colors? Isaiah chose the image not because of the color necessarily, but because this was the most securely fixed dye that was then known. No launderer could remove that color from cloth. Isaiah thus says, God can do the impossible and cleanse sinners, even though the stain of sin is fixed as firmly as crimson in the sinner's soul. Bible commentators say that the the scarlet or crimson portrays sin not only to denote its dreadful character, but also to emphasize its indelible nature. They tell us that you can immerse a cloth in any color and the stain can be removed. Once red dye has been thoroughly set in a piece of goods, however, no scientific method is known that can successfully eliminate it without damaging the fabric. I remember like, don't spill red Kool-Aid on white carpet. Bad, 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 bad. That doesn't come out, I think. Even if the material is rubbed and scrubbed until it's threadbare, the fibers that are left will still still retain their crimson hue. It just doesn't come out. Sin is thus pictured as being indelible as far as human efforts to remove it are concerned. We can't do it. There's nothing man himself can do to change his evil nature and turn it into the white purity of holiness. God alone has the power to erase the terrible stain of our sin. Only God can make us as white as snow. The idea is that there is no human condition too desperate For God's divine treatment. See, God is speaking here through Isaiah and He's making an offer to humanity. He offers to save, forgive, and cleanse us from all our sin. You cannot read this verse without being in awe with how much God loves us and how, and and for how much He longs To save us. See, there are two great needs that we all have. The first is to be forgiven. To have all the violations and offenses and transgressions and disobedience and sins canceled out. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And the second need is to have God Himself come into our lives where sin once reigned. We need a a personal relationship with God through His Spirit. We need wisdom and guidance and love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control. You can find that list in Galatians. So Isaiah tells us that God can do the impossible and cleanse the sinner even though the stain of sin is fixed 
as firmly as crimson in the sinner's heart. See, sin as far as human efforts to remove it are concerned is impossibility. We can't do it. We try. A lot of people out there think it's possible. You know, if I just do enough good things, if I'm a good person, But it's fixed. The stain of sin is fixed firmly like crimson in the sinner's heart. God alone has the power to erase the terrible stain of sin in our lives. See, what is impossible in chemistry is possible in grace. Though the evidence is bad, the prognosis is good. God has the power to cleanse away forever the stain of our sins. He's able to take our sins and put them as far away from us from us as the east is from the west. He's able to wash us in the precious blood of Jesus and declare us holy and clean. Think about that. This deep red stain is removed by the red blood of Jesus. He is able to deliver us from condemnation and the threat of hell that we are under. He is able to make us perfectly, utterly, eternally clean through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is an invitation that needs acceptance. See, in order to have cleansing, you must come. You have to respond to the invitation. Philosophy would tell us this, think your way out. Politics say, spend your way out. Science says, invent your way out. Industry says, work your way out. Militarism says, fight your way out. God says, come unto me. Years after Isaiah proclaimed these words, the Apostle John would write, Then the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from every sin. It's true. So true that we can be forgiven. And it's all because of Jesus and the blood that He shed for us. He makes us clean. That indelible stain that we could do nothing to remove can be washed clean by the blood of Jesus that He shed for us on the cross when He died for our sins. You know, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is John 5.40, where Jesus said, You will not come to Me that you might have life. See, it's, the sadness is not that people can't come, it's that they won't come. People are lost for only one reason. They will not come. People are saved for one reason. They will come. Come to Jesus. Only He can cleanse the crimson stain of sin 
and make you white as snow. Do we believe that? You know, this happened in the time of Isaiah, but we're looking forward to Jesus Christ and His death on the cross and what He did for us that, well, not the, the blood of goats and bulls would never be sufficient to do. The blood of Jesus Christ does for us. The red... The crimson stain of sin is washed away by the red blood of Jesus shed on the cross. Julie, would you come? We're going to uh, we're going to sing a song. Probably one. It's one we probably haven't sung in a long, long time. It's Jesus paid it all, and it's true. Jesus did. For that red crimson stain of sin in our lives, Jesus paid the price. He's the answer. It's His blood that can cleanse us and make us white as snow. And I just want you to know today that, you know, if you're, you're feeling the burden of that, there is a stain in my life, and I understand that it's there, and I know that there's nothing I've been able to do to remove it. But I know today also that Jesus Christ is able to cleanse that crimson stain from my life. And remember what I said about the invitation? Come now. Now is the time to respond. If God is speaking to you this morning, now is the time to respond. The altars are always open. If you'd like to come here and pray, I want you to know that you can do that. Come while Julie leads us. Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray, find in me thine all in all, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he Washed it white as snow, for nothing could have I whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's Lamb. Jesus paid it all. crimson stain he washed it white as snow and when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save my lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed 
to know. Bow your heads with me for a moment, if you would. I'm. Uh, I told you that this is just the beginning of a series that I'm going to do entitled "Invitations," where God says to us, "Come." But, you know, as I think about this passage in Isaiah. I'm not thinking that there's more, any more important invitation than this one. Because this is where it all begins. It all begins when we come to God's invitation to allow the blood of Jesus to wash the crimson stain of sin from our lives. And so, just in the next moment, I want to pray a prayer and Maybe if you're just sensing the voice of your Holy Spirit in your life, talking to you about this, I, you can join me where you are in, in prayer this morning. Father, we come to you today. Almighty God, you who are just, righteous, holy, perfect in all your ways, thanking you for the invitation that you've extended to us to come to you. Let's, let's talk about this. Let, let's look at your life. Let's look at that sin stain on your life. Let's talk about that. What needs to happen? We, we need to come to a conclusion about who's right here. And we know, Father, you're right all the time. You're never wrong. And when you say to us, there are things in your life that you need to deal with, things that you can do nothing about yourself, but only that the blood of my sin, Jesus, can wash clean, then we need to be honest enough with you to say, yes, you're right. I confess that sin to you. I, I confess that there is this crimson stain in my life that Nothing I've tried can wash away. And so I accept today, Father, the gift of your Son, Jesus, His shed blood on the cross, the red blood of Jesus to wash away that deep crimson stain of sin in my life. And I believe by faith that you do that, that you have done that in my life right now as I put my faith in you to do so, as I believe what you said. And thank you, Father, that you are willing to do that for us, rebellious, going our own way, evil-minded and evil-hearted, really enemies of God, and yet you've said, come to me, for I desire to wash you wider than snow. And so, Father, as th- there may be some who've prayed that today, I, I ask that now they, they sense that cleansing, that the stain is gone, that the blood of Jesus, who paid it all, has done that work in their lives. And I thank you for that. Father, you are amazing, you're fantastic. You're wonderful. You're incredible. 
you can do for us what we could never do for ourselves through Jesus Christ. And for, the, for that, we give you thanks. And we'll give you thanks for all eternity. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, if you remember, one of the things we're going to do is our Y'all Come Sunday celebration is eat together.